0: Of paper out of stock, the friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Done to Mifflin, The people, persons,
1: paper, people done since paper people. Time out, time out, time out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Out of Paper. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Fat Halpert. Fat
0: Jim (laughs) Halpert.
1: I'm Dan, my co-host as always, Rob. Here I am. Co-host and co-host, not host and co-host. I am here. Yes. In the flesh. In the flesh. And we are doing the... First episode of the second season of The Office today. And the seventh episode of Out of Paper. Yes. That's kind of a big milestone for us because we've actually officially launched now instead of just recording with a hope and a dream. It's true. We've been doing a lot of administrative work, a lot of,
0: you know, applications for approval to these various streaming sites. It's a grueling process. And this whole time I've just been champing at the bit to get back behind the microphone. Yeah. Real excited to be back here. And yeah, we so, made
1: it. Feels yeah. good. Yeah, it does feel really nice to have everything up and running. Yeah, smooth sailing from here on out. Yeah, it felt really nice to see the podcast and Pocket Casts. Mm-hmm. Good feeling. Got our logo out there. Yep.
0: Cleaned up, you know, put a little polish on some of the episodes. And, you know, we were going to launch about a week ago, but, you know, stuff happens. We didn't realize the approval process was going to be what it was.
1: Yeah, that's true. But now we know. Now we know. <laughs> and now it's done. Learn learn something new every day. Now we join the esteemed ranks of Dan Harmon and Mark Marin, <laughs> Paul Sheer, and Jason Manzucas. There's literally nothing differentiating us yeah, from them. Just like point. that. We're in the
0: upper echelons of the podcasting uh, pod- arena.
1: <laughs> arena. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Swinging in the same circles. You know, yeah. Have you been invited to any podcaster parties yet? Too many, too many. I just I can't fit it all in. No, I mean, how many can you go to in a day? One, two, three, three four. No, that's ridiculous. Let me finish. <laughs> Five. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's been good. Good feeling. So uh that's the news about us. Done, I guess. Yeah. Let's move on to office news. I guess I'll hand it over to you since you're the one that found this. So, earlier this week, Angela Kinsey made headlines
0: giving a shout out on Twitter to one Billie Eilish who, who is just that? She's a up-and-coming pop singer. Okay. Yeah, she does uh she just put out her first album previously it had only been singles on soundtracks and i think she did like a mixtape which is like an unofficial album that artists just kind of release on the internet and see you know how much chatter it, it, it
1: gains or gets or it's impressive to get started with singles and soundtracks
0: yeah um her brother does all of her production work and he i don't know if he's like an established figure in the music world i had never heard of him prior to this album coming out but um his the production quality in the album is actually really stellar like if i were to point you to any record right now to say like this is what good music production sounds like in 2019 this would be the record i would do it on wow it's very minimal but everything's very clean and they make a lot of good use of like negative space and silence which i always like because that adds like a lot of dynamics in a song
1: yeah i dig that too maybe you should listen to it after we get yeah out of
0: this i'm down to go over a couple tracks i don't know if it's necessarily your cup of tea but uh yeah it's it's different so maybe hmm. you know cool. yeah um but anyway uh so angela kinsey gave her a shout out on twitter congratulating her on the release of her first record called When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And uh, on a track on that record called My Strange Addiction, you can hear clips from Threat Level Midnight. (laughs) No way. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's in the same track or other songs on the album. I haven't listened to it all front to back. But there's other snippets of dialogue from The Office.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And uh, on the Twitter post that Angela put up, there's a picture of her and Billy in the San Francisco airport. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it was before Billy had gained as much acclaim as she has now. Like if you follow music, the marketing, um, rollout for this album has just been, it's everywhere. You can't escape it. Any, any streaming site you go on, it's like her album is front and center, but, uh, Yeah, the picture from the airport, I'm pretty sure, is before she was this famous. And I'm pretty sure she went over to Angela to get a picture with her.
1: Oh, very cool. So,
0: yeah. And uh, I guess her and Angela have been chatting on Instagram since. So, yeah, kind of cool.
1: Sweet. Yeah. Not like huge news, but... Yeah, it's something. I mean, the office Mm -hmm. making it into the modern... Yeah, exactly. ...cultural... Gestalt? Is yeah. that the right use of that word? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> but I know I know what you're getting at. Cool. I feel like that's one of those words that I, I always want to try to use to sound smart, but I don't really know what it means. <laughs> so probably makes me sound really stupid. <clears throat> and I'm okay with that, too. That's fun. The prodigal prod... <laughs> My son returns. My how the turntables. <laughs> 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 yeah, Michael's great for those. Mm-hmm. And is that it? No more news? I didn't see anything else, so okay, yeah, me neither. yeah. well, I guess um, let's get moving on to the episode then. If we got nothing else to go over, anything new with you, It's worth bringing up. <laughs> I mean,
0: a lot of my time has been going into our launch, so yeah, I'm pretty stoked about about that and uh, yeah, you know i um I feel like. It's been a long time since I've done production for spoken word. So Mm. it's been kind of a relearning process for me as we've gone through. And the first couple episodes, my first drafts were pretty rough. And doing this for the rest of the episodes throughout season one, I've I feel like I've just learned a lot. So it's been yeah.
1: It's been good for me. I kind of felt the same way with I mean granted admittedly, not nearly as intensive a process, but with the uh, logo design. It was like, I learned all mm-hmm. this and I know it all, but I haven't done it in years, right, And now I have to learn these weird open source programs and then switch to the program fortunately that I did learn. yeah <laughs> and then it was a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. But still, there's like all these little things that you uh yeah, you just have to kind of get right. back into that space.
0: Yeah, it's been fun to be creative that way, though.
1: It is, and it's it's fun to like create something and see the product there. Yeah, and for it to be something that you're creating because you want to create it, not because you are compelled to for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That's a nice feeling. Agreed. And you're a pretty creative person in general. I think for me, this is kind of the first thing I've ever done like that. Like I've gotten into creating other projects before, but they've never been something my you, own project, something yeah. you
0: put out into the world. Exactly. Say, this is me, world. <laughs> I bleed red.
1: <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't wait for that episode. Me either.
0: <laughs> but we're not there yet. We're on this episode, so let's yes. let's do it.
1: Let's do it. This episode is the Dundies. It is the first episode of the second season, as we already mentioned. And the seventh episode overall, it was written by Mindy Kaling and directed by Greg Daniels. It aired on September 20th, 2005, and it was viewed by 9 million people. Which, wow. Yeah, it's almost double the hot Girl, I think. Yeah. What was that, like five? I think so. That we determined? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, so I so, guess that's that, uh... Just well, needed a little time to pick up steam. Not only time, but that summer was when The 40-Year-Old Virgin came out, so Steve Carell was thrust into the limelight more than he had been prior. Uh So now people that watched that movie and said, hey, I want more of this guy, could say, oh, there's a show that I have missed. Right. And I guess roughly four million people made that call. Where were we? How did we not get on that train? I don't know, because I (laughs) feel like... I think I saw 40-year-old Virgin in theaters and I remember I loved it so I you don't know, know
0: where we were. I was thinking about this recently. You know what I think it is? I think at this point in time there was no sitcom on TV that really spoke to anybody that was in our generation and like maybe even just like a a small slice of like a 3 to 4 year range where it was just like there was no sitcom really out there that I really was into at the time. And I just assumed that The Office was just another one of those.
1: Yeah, and no, I don't think, no, at least nothing that was currently on. I remember we were watch, watching a lot of Seinfeld and a lot of Curb.
0: Right, but that wasn't, but, I mean, Curb was on at the time, I guess. Yeah. But that's not your typical sitcom.
1: No, I would say Curb's not really even a sitcom. No. Seinfeld's a sitcom, but again, right. yeah, that had ended, you know, yeah. There six wasn't, years prior. There wasn't much out there that
0: network television was doing that really spoke to me
1: no i mean either or at least not that i knew of
0: right so i have a feeling just just the office being on nbc and being a sitcom it it just didn't draw my attention
1: yeah i i don't even know if i i feel like i heard about it in passing for a long time but didn't know that much of it right and i think the first time i was ever driven to check it out was when i worked at that uh textbook store the off-campus textbook store near UCF yeah yeah I remember my manager used to quote the office all the time and it was always funny and I'd be like what is that like did you just make that up you'd be like what no it's the office Hmm. yeah was it streaming by the time
0: we had gotten around to watching it
1: I don't think so okay and I don't even think I think that I started watching it live and just didn't know any of the earlier seasons just kind uh, of picked up like in the middle of whatever was on i want to say it was season four because i feel like it didn't take long after discovering it to go back and no. go through everything no yeah we I, I mean if i remember correctly like we sat
0: there and watched like the show in like five episode chunks just one after the other yeah
1: yeah all right, so the episode begins with a no cold open, which I think is maybe the first episode that does that, uh-huh. and we usually get cold opens, but So
0: define a cold open for me just so I know. Oh, okay, I
1: I could be wrong. I I was always under the impression a cold open is anything that precedes credits, like introduction credits of a show.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. So before like the intro music. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, some shows, especially if they're going for more artistic or stylistic lean, sometimes will have like a 45 minute cold open. And you're like, whoa. Right. right. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> I feel like Legion does that quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Legion,
1: definitely. In a few episodes, I forgot they even had like an introductory screen, and then suddenly it happens. Right. Oh, like, how right. much of this is left? <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So, so yeah,
1: the, it's just the intro and then. Right yeah, it just starts right off with, with the theme song. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, we see Michael, and he has lost a bunch of weight. He has more hair than he's ever had before in the show. It's like he went back in time. It really does look <laughs> like that. It looks like he started the show like around age like 50, yeah. and now he's like 38. <laughs> and he looks great. He does. So uh, we start with Michael. He's explaining that today's the Dundies, and it's everybody's favorite day. <laughs> and what does he use? He says, uh, "You know, what else would people like Kevin or Meredith get an award? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's anybody going to give them an award for?" <laughs> and then he talks about how uh, he gives an example of you know somebody who goes home and tells their neighbor, uh, "You know, I just got an award from w- work. I got a Dundee." Yeah. He says, "Wow!" And the neighbor says, "Nobody's ever awarded me for you know my work." And you know, a couple of weeks goes by. And the employees smell something horrible. The neighbor has killed himself. Lack of recognition.
0: It's just funny. It's this is another great example of Michael just totally inflating his role in his employees' lives.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: like when it was when it was healthcare day, he was their doctor, and now it's the the Dundies, and he's the only thing keeping these people from committing suicide.
1: Yep. Although, as we find out in a later episode, he did have an employee of his that committed suicide, and he seemingly didn't care and never thought about it after it happened. Yeah, Which seems oddly cold and out of character for Michael, but I guess if Michael was just creeped out by that person, then maybe kind of sighed an internal sigh of relief. Yeah, I don't know. We never really find out much about them. No, we get like Phyllis doing the miming, blowing the head off. Movement into then Michael's like, Oh, yeah, that guy was weird. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, pretty dark, <laughs> pretty bad. So, yeah, from here we cut to Jim and Pam are at Pam's desk as per usual, and they're talking about the Dundies. Pam <laughs> describes it like a car wreck, or she says, You know how they people say they see a car wreck that was so terrible they couldn't look away. She's like, This is like a car wreck that. You do want to look away from, but you can't because your boss is forcing you to watch it. <laughs> Which is a funny
0: contrast to how Michael was just talking about the Dundies and how everybody loves it.
1: Yeah, that's. I feel like we get a little mini montage of all the employees talking about, not all of them, but a few, Right. talking about how awful it is yep. and how it's just not for them. <laughs> or what does Oscar say? It's like a kid's birthday party. And the kid's having fun, and you're just kind of there, and... You know, you just stay there because, you know, if yeah, the kid's having a good time, you know. There's nothing really for you to do. Right. <laughs> oh. And I feel like it's also, I feel like that line especially kind of is a turning point in how the office workers perceive Michael as a boss, or at least like it signals a turning point because from up to this point, we've seen everybody just shudder when he approaches. And yeah. recoil and they're just very irritated and annoyed and let down just all negative emotions whereas here suddenly you know they're still not big fans of his but they seem to kind of understand him a little better and have less malice and just kind of like all right you know this is his thing and yeah he's gonna get really excited and we'll just go along with it because why not yeah, I feel like uh, I was going to talk more about
0: that at the end of the episode. Okay. And I, I still will. But you're right. Yeah, it's you do see people approaching Michael a little differently than they did just the season
1: prior already. Yeah, it's yeah. just the whole episode even, I would say, is a big tonal shift from oh, yeah. the first season. And I I noticed it in the past, but I never noticed it quite as much as this latest go-around preparing right. for the show, yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's interesting to see. I, I feel like if, as much as I appreciate and enjoy parts of season one, I think if the show maintained the tone it had in the first season. It would not have gone over as well. With America, Yeah, with I don't American know if it would audience. necessarily be one of my favorite shows. No. I don't think we'd be talking about it right now. Right. And yeah, it's a good, good change. It is, for sure. Um, and yeah, I feel like that's just getting further away from the British origins, which mm-hmm. is good for what it is. But yeah different right um yes yeah, so anyway michael comes out of his office and uh, approaches jim
0: hey hey, hey. <laughs> fat jim halpert <laughs> fat halpert who <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> i love jim's reaction to that because he's just kind of like He's uncomfortable and like <laughs> all of a sudden he gets to like really body conscious. So he kind of like, <laughs> yeah. he kind of like leans over on Pam's desk. And it also doesn't help that he's at Pam's desk and Pam is like his romantic interest. So he's like doubly self conscious.
1: <laughs> and I don't know. It's I, also weird because nobody could call Jim fat.
0: No, he's a string bean.
1: Yeah. yeah. Gumby's got a better body than him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. so yeah uh, michael introduces fat jim (laughs) as one of the past dundee winners says he's going to take the off of the camera on a tour uh what's his next stop i think it's michael or no no, michael jesus (laughs) it's dwight (laughs) right goes up to dwight's desk and dwight tells him that he keeps his dundies in a trophy case above his bed (laughs) tmi
0: (laughs) (laughs) like that's even you know what's funny about that is it's not even like you know, Dwight des- definitely doesn't have, like, a sexual connection with his dundies.
1: No, it's, it's yeah, I think just whenever Dwight sucks up to Michael, he always just gets turned off. That's true. <laughs> we get a little cutaway with Michael talking about how he used to say, or how TMI is too much information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He used to say, don't, what did he used to say? <laughs> um, don't go there. Yeah, but that's lame. That's lame. <laughs> So then I think uh, he moves on from Dwight to Stanley and uh, asks him where he has his Dundies. Stanley tells him he thinks he threw it away. <laughs>
0: yeah, because Stanley's like, "Hey, Stanley, let me see, uh, let me see some of that bling from your Dundies." He's like, "Hmm, uh, I don't know, I don't know where they are. I must have thrown them away."
1: It's not a bad Stanley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> So now the first one, for whatever reason, sounded more like the essence of Stanley. The second one sounded like Jim doing Stanley to me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I enjoy the creamy zip of Miracle Miracle Whip. (laughs) Miracle Whip. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, then we see, after this, uh, Michael is now going to make Pam watch the old Dundies to write down any highlights.
0: What What is Michael going to get out of that? I don't know. Is he going to just reuse old jokes? I don't see him doing that.
1: Well, he does plan to do that with Pam. Yeah, I mean, I guess
0: the theory behind that, though, is the joke, that's not really, I mean, I guess it's an old joke, but the longer the engagement goes on, the better that joke gets in his mind.
1: That's true. So maybe... Yeah, I never really gave it much thought until you just raised that question, which is a good question. Maybe it's like a stand-up comic who's listening to audience reactions of their material Mm, to further refine it.
0: Yeah, craft other jokes off of what was working.
1: But the key difference there is that when a stand-up comic is doing that, they're not going to be giving it to the exact same audience again. That's true. That's true. I think Michael may have overlooked a crucial detail in honing his craft. Yeah. And he's lazy, so he makes Pam do it. Right. Yeah. Jot down any highlights. Yeah. And we see her watching uh, Michael singing a song. I think he's dressed like a clown. <laughs> and it uh, doesn't look great. I think we see Dwight off to the side. Mm-hmm. It's very low-budget production.
0: And it's only for like 10 seconds before Kevin sits in front of the camera.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of looks at Jim and mimes like strangling uh i don't know michael or maybe even just the dundies tapes themselves
1: yeah (laughs) jim gives her a sympathetic jim face through the window (laughs) yeah (laughs) getting a lot of jim faces in this episode a lot of jim faces so yeah after this we cut to pam uh, and she is now with kelly and phyllis and they're kind of giggling in the corner and they're laughing about something that's written about michael on the bathroom wall And uh, there's that deleted scene. Dwight pulls Jim aside and like a gaggle of geese. (laughs) Me, 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 (laughs) me. Which, you know, geese. (laughs) I can see why they cut that one because geese don't sound that way. I I mean, I took it as just Dwight being misogynist. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. But still. Yeah.
0: If he had tried to imitate the sound of a goose, I think it would have landed a little better.
1: Well, I think that's an expression, though—a gaggle of geese. Oh yeah, or, yeah. But
0: then he did like a noise that's that
1: true. was, you know, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and what is Jim's reaction to Dwight saying "gaggle of geese"? Jim he faced just, the camera. Ollie,
0: yeah, but it 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 was like a non he it was like a non expression expression too. Like even even Jim fell flat in that one.
1: Yeah good cutting decision. Yeah, it was. So, Dwight walks over to them, uh, you know, what's the joke? Who's who's the joke? Thinks they're laughing about him. They tell him what they're laughing about and he tries to uh pry it out of them who who wrote it on the wall, what it says. Mm-hmm. And uh what does he say if uh whoever tells him won't be punished? Oh no, wrong. he says whoever
0: tells or no, he, he turns to Kelly and he's
1: like, "Kelly, if you tell me who it is, I'll punish you less." Oh, right. <laughs> And then Pam, they start laughing again. Pam says, now we're laughing at you. Right, yeah. Which I thought, that's uh, I like this scene, but it feels oddly out of character for Pam in general. Especially at this point. Just that she's kind of mean? I guess just, like, not that she's mean to Dwight, because she's constantly helping Jim prank Dwight. But I guess she's just being more assertive than Confront- we're used to. Yeah, confrontational. confrontational and mm. it just, uh...
0: I mean, maybe it's because she had Phyllis and Kelly there and Dwight was kind of like, you know, approaching them maliciously or.
1: That makes sense.
0: You know, in, in inter- interrogatively. Yeah. Know, is that even
1: a word? I don't think so, but I know what you mean. Yeah. And, uh, and I he think, does approach them like that. Yeah. So I think, you know,
0: Pam has her ladies backing her up maybe she's feeling <laughs> you know a little more feisty but yeah i can see where you're coming from she is she's not a confrontational person so that is a little weird
1: no not at all um but yeah i don't you know have any problem with the scene it just seems weird from what we've seen of pam so far and not only that but what we'll continue to see from her yeah for a while
0: yeah personally this whole graffiti on the bathroom wall aspect of this episode falls a little flat for me
1: Yeah, I agree with you there too.
0: Because A, we never figure out what it says. B, it's only mentioned in like three scenes. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really seem to drive much plot in the episode. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, there's some deleted scenes where it drives the plot a little more. But the fact that they didn't make it in, Mm -hmm. this joke just kind of feels like it's left hanging there.
1: Yeah, it it feels like it was one of the B plots that they developed, and then they decided not to go with it, but they left in the beginning and the end of it. Right. Yeah. So it it just feels oddly out of place. Yeah. Which is funny
0: because going through this episode non-analytically, it wouldn't have even crossed my mind.
1: No, not at all. But it's interesting. Here I'm we sure are. We're gonna that.
0: ruin. We're gonna ruin this show for ourselves, Dan. <laughs>
1: yeah. When I was watching Parks and Rec's deleted scenes, they did that with, uh, I think, the first episode where Tammy's introduced. Mm. They had this B-plot that they dedicated a lot of screen time to. It was all about how Tammy permanently destroyed Ron's sense of smell. Like, tried to, like, attack him and injured his nose and how he has never been able to smell anything. Whoa. And they keep bringing it up. There's just tons of scenes peppered throughout the entire episode that keep alluding to how Ron Swanson can't smell anything. And then they cut the entirety of it. And then I feel like moving forward in Parks and Recreation, one of the things that you always know Tammy's coming by is that Ron will like Smell. flare his nostrils and sniff the air. And yeah, she's here. Oh, that's true. Interesting. Yeah. I
0: don't think I've ever watched deleted scenes for that show. They're good. Actually, no, that's not true. I've I've seen. I definitely remember specifically the hunting episode. Where Leslie's speaking with the Ranger and improving a bunch of excuses as to why her gun went off.
1: Well, they also I mean, not to say you didn't see that section of deleted scenes, but in the episode itself, they do also have a cut that's just a whole bunch of her uh, rapid fire excuses. Maybe that's what I'm
0: thinking of. Throw them together. Yeah, okay.
1: But in the deleted scenes for that episode, they do have more of them as well. So okay. like maybe you did. I was just gonna say though, but that also happens in these. Yeah. Yeah, eh. yeah. either way um, But yeah, it also seems weirdly Spoiler alert for the end of the episode At a character that Pam would deface Dunder Mifflin's bathroom Or anything mm,
0: Yes and no You know, she's an artist at heart And I can see her drawing a picture in the
1: bathroom <laughs> Yeah the long trip to the bathroom
0: but graffiti is kind of uh we don't uh, that's the thing we don't know what it looks like we don't know what it says
1: it's so do you, you think she like she tagged it it's not just a note about michael it's just a full-blown there's like bubble <laughs> letters and shading
0: <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> i mean it's referred to as graffiti but i mean that could be anything says roy or die <laughs> <laughs> no it's definitely something about michael yeah of course And I can see Michael pissing off Pam to the point where, you know, she acts out by defaming him in the bathroom.
1: See, I could see season one, Pam and Michael, that happening.
0: Yeah, maybe it happened in the pilot when she ran to the bathroom crying after Michael fake fired her.
1: Hmm, that could be. We don't know how much time has passed. Huh? As we don't know how much time has passed in these episodes. The entirety of season one could have been like two weeks. It's true. And then this is week three. Yeah. Although it doesn't explain how Michael has lost a tremendous amount of weight and grown a bunch of hair. (laughs) That's true. And they do reference Michael taking hair growth drugs later in the show. He talks about Propecia. Oh, right. And yeah, I feel like not that much time is supposed
0: to have passed because, well, at least in a deleted scene for this episode, the subject of downsizing comes up again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's still an ongoing dangling theme up until uh, the Halloween episode. Yeah. Well, anyway, moving on past Ham uh, and her graffiti, <laughs> we uh, see Michael calling Jan to invite her to the Dundies. She not only doesn't want to come, but she says <laughs> that uh, the company can't endorse him throwing another party because he throws a lot of f- parties. Right. What are the, some of the parties she lists? I didn't write them down. I don't the, know if you
0: did. The May 5th, 2005 party, the 555. <laughs> happens once every billion, billion years.
1: years. <laughs> <laughs> and the tsunami uh, fundraiser, which somehow managed to lose money. Lose money. money. <laughs> and Michael argued, well, it wasn't a fundraiser.
0: It was a fundraiser.
1: Yeah, I, I was very <laughs> clear about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: And why did you feel the need to do this? Well, I just felt like the images were very disturbing to the people here. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to rally them.
1: Oh, man. And we're going to see a lot more of those parties moving forward. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, long story short, Jan is not coming to the Dundies. No, doesn't want anything to do with them. And then we see uh, Michael show off uh, one of his characters. He talks about how he likes to do character work for the Dundies. We see his... Character that's loosely based off of Carson's Karnak, mm-hmm. which uh, I like that he uses the word loosely because it's th- like the exact same turban and the exact same mannerisms and the exact same voice. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's he brings up
0: uh, what's the joke? He holds the envelope up to his head. It's like what do the and IRA like, and the PLO. the PLO, the IRA and the hot dog stand behind the warehouse have in common? And opens up the envelope and. They all have better health care than here. (laughs) (laughs) And even he, you know, doesn't laugh at the joke. I
1: don't think he understands it.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I didn't, I wasn't aware of what the PLO was until doing research. Uh. I just assumed that, actually, I didn't make any assumptions. I just never knew and never looked it
1: up. Yeah, I mean, a three-letter acronym could be anything. Had he said, like, Hamas... I probably would have. That'd be more recognizable, right? But, but I, that's. I think the PLO. I think it was like more of a dated reference, if anything. So that's like
0: pre-Hamas.
1: Yeah, I, or I, maybe they they're pop. They were more popular. I don't even want to say because I have no idea like yeah. where the groups start and stop. But I at least I could be wrong. But I assumed that the PLO was more of a Carson era reference because he's doing the Carson character. He just basically took half uh, Carson joke oh, that. That makes the IRA a sense. too is like a pretty dated reference. That's true. Because that conflict ended in what, the mid to late nineties? I think so. Yeah. So that was my take, was he just like not only ripped off Carson's character entirely, but also took like half of one of his jokes. Right. And just <laughs> turned it into his own. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. And uh from here we see Dwight trying to sneak into the women's bathroom gets caught by Phyllis and yelled at, accused of being a pervert.
0: I like that Phyllis, like, runs out of the bathroom like a mother hen, like protecting her chicks almost, (laughs) even though there's no one else in there. She was just like, I I don't know, I don't know what it is about Phyllis, just her motions, her motions as she's getting
1: in Dwight's face is just very bird like. I guess we can check her off being interviewed on this podcast. Oh, no, no, <laughs> I love I'm her. just kidding. Like a mother hen, Rob, or like a mother goose. Oh, <laughs> yeah, let's say mother goose. Well, You know that's from uh, "Take Your Daughter to Work Day."
0: Oh, right. <laughs> I thought we were doing a callback to Dwight calling them a gaggle of geese.
1: Oh, that it works on both levels. It does. Look at that. Yeah, I was thinking of Toby's daughter approaching phyllis are you mother goose mother goose oh that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) and sad (laughs) but adorable well i mean
0: she kind of looks like artistic renditions of mother goose it's
1: true she does yeah she's matronly looking it's not a it's not that she looks like a bird right she's matronly yeah um yeah in the deleted scene we see phyllis run all the way to michael's office being chased by dwight and try to complain to michael and (laughs) Dwight says, "Yeah, Phyllis, that's what I did. I waited until you went to the bathroom, followed you in, thinking, ooh, maybe I could see you naked from the waist down.' I'm not even attracted to you." <laughs> Michael goes, "That's a good point."
0: <laughs> that's so awful. Uh, she's a she's a good sport. She is a good sport because there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of shots on on Phyllis's attractiveness.
1: Yeah. But they're mostly, yeah, just from Michael. Oh, yeah. So I feel like it's one of those things, it's like impractical jokers, where even if the things they're saying or doing are horrible, it reflects more poorly on the doer than the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: Phyllis is a beautiful, radiant person.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, (laughs) Lost track of where we were.
0: So I think the camera cuts back to Pam continuing to go through highlights of The Dundies. That's right. And And (laughs) there's one part about this scene that I find funny, and it's the orientation of the tables in the video, where it's Pam on the left side and then Jim sitting at a table on the right side. Their backs are to Michael and Dwight, who are giving like the Dundies' presentation. Yeah. And I think the only reason that they're oriented that way is because Jim... When Michael announces uh, Pam's Dundee, which is Dundee for the longest engagement, you see Jim kind of like look over his shoulder empathetically at Pam, and I think that's the only reason they're in the shot like that.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it
0: just struck me as awkward as we, as I was watching, and like, yeah, because it, it's just weird that their back would be to the show taking place.
1: Yeah, it is I I feel like both all the videos we see her watching of past Sundays are kind of just awkwardly done. They're yeah, not bad, but they right. don't feel like they're being shot inside a restaurant. It they prob- feel like they're being shot wasn't. on like a very small like sound stage or a corner of a sound stage. Right. But yeah. like I mean
0: obviously they are, and how else would you but- naturally get that reaction in just like a steady or like a handheld camera clip that michael had set up to tape the dundies you know of course so i mean you have to take that into account i can see from a a technical standpoint why they did it It, it's just a little awkward
1: yeah and i mean it's it's a small enough part of the episode i feel like we can get away with it because it's there's not a lot of focus being given to it yeah and you're more focused on you know what is happening what's being said and yeah poor pam but anyway, she yeah, she was she gets the longest engagement. Yeah, she, I guess I kind of <laughs> I guess
0: I kind of jumped ahead there talking about their seating orientation. Yeah, that's okay.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, we see her get the longest engagement award and uh she seems pretty bummed out about it watching it and receiving it in the video that she's watching.
0: Right, knowing that it's been a whole other year since mm-hmm. since the last
1: time she received that award, and she's still in the same position. And it had been over a year before that one, right? And then we see Jim go into Michael's office and uh, propose. Maybe he doesn't give Pam the longest engagement award this year. Michael argues that you know it's it gets funnier every year that she doesn't get married. <laughs> and I feel like Jim very cleverly accuses Michael of it coming off as kind of lazy comedically lazy yeah everybody yeah. expects it and that i feel like is how you can manipulate someone like michael oh it's, yeah you call his showmanship into question like yeah okay we have to change everything and right no more can't do that it's true and uh so yeah after this we cut to dwight pursuing the bathroom issue and uh i think we have a clip
0: excuse me everyone can i have your attention please I just wanted to say that the women in this office are terrible, especially the ones who wrote that stuff about Michael on the bathroom wall. Having a bathroom is a privilege. It is called a ladies' room for a reason. And if you cannot behave like ladies, well, then you are not going to have a bathroom. You're taking away our bathroom? We are going to have two men's rooms.
1: But where would we go?
0: Be prepared to hold it, folks, from
1: 9 a.m. Look, Uh Michael. Yes? <laughs> so uh yeah, that's Dwight's plan to fix the problem. <laughs> Be prepared to hold it, people. <laughs> From, From 9- nine a.m.
0: to five PM.
1: <laughs> we are now gonna have two men's rooms. <laughs> that's hilarious. Not only are they gonna have sexist bathrooms, Dwight Dwight's plan, but racist bathrooms too. Well they already have the racist bathrooms. As Creed points out in a much later episode, uh I think it's when they're going through the complaints. Uh, they have a complaint that says, uh, why is the bathroom whites only?
0: Oh, right, <laughs> right. Michael
1: what? And <laughs> Creed says, is a picture of a white guy on it <laughs> <laughs> the door. <laughs> oh, Creed. Um, so yeah, Michael cuts off Dwight and uh, tries to build enthusiasm about the Dundies. I assume this is, even though it's not like a straight cut, right after he got off the phone with Jan. And he tells everybody that uh he knows there's rumors about how the jokes are gonna be or the jokes aren't funny and the food is bad. But this year he wants to open it up to all his employees' friends and families. Right. And uh they all seem pretty stoked about that. Yeah. I mean I would too if I
0: didn't realize I was gonna be footing the bill for everything I ate and drank. Yeah.
1: And of course that's Michael's plan. Yeah, you know, the only way he can afford to do it is If everyone's paying and if people invite more people, it kind of softens the blow in his eyes somehow. Somehow, yeah. If anything, it makes it worse, probably. (laughs) But That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Michael's not one for thinking things through. And
0: then we leave the office. Yes. And we arrive at Chili's.
1: And it was a real Chili's. Right in Burbank. Yeah,
0: Burbank. It's a Burbank Chili's. Yeah,
1: all the Chili's wait staff are Chili's employees. Yeah, that's cool.
0: They went all the way from Scranton to Burbank, California, just for the Dundies
1: <laughs> the whole office. Yep. <laughs> so they film everything else in Scranton. That's right, for sure. <laughs> uh, I like we have Michael's little intro rap, which I believe we've played in the podcast. We have. Yeah. Six times so far. Oh, okay. We're going to keep it up? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure if that was something we were going to keep going with or drop.
0: I like it. I think it's a good little break. It, I like it, know, too. Sets up our ratings. and
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, then, yeah, no need to go too deeply into that besides that Michael cannot keep up with the song and uh, <laughs> gets very flustered. He has Ryan feeding him cue cards, and I think Ryan falls behind. He tells him to go faster, and then Ryan starts doing it, like, two at a time, and
0: But you know what's funny is there's so much written on a card, and Michael doesn't—he only gets through, like, one—not even a whole verse. Yeah. So it's possible that maybe Ryan's moving the cards too fast? Maybe. Because, Ryan, like, he's on card number three. Because
1: I feel like at one point we hear Michael tell him, like, new card, new card. Well, I think he's just saying card, card. card, Like,
0: maybe—and he's doing this, too, like— Waving his hand, like so maybe he's saying, go back, the one that he yeah, go,
1: go back a card. <laughs> and that continues up until the waitress in the background trips on the cord and unplugs the speaker. <laughs> right, cuts the music off. And yeah. then... <laughs> what does Michael say? It's all right, joke landed. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nobody's laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody's smiling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we see Kevin tries to put a drink on the group tab, and that's when Michael announces to everybody that this year they're going to be doing. I love the way he says it. Like he's trying to make it sound like it's something cool and exciting. Yeah. Separate checks. Yeah. This year we're going to be doing separate checks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and tries
0: to tries to continue on very quickly with the Dundies while all of his employees grumble.
1: Yeah. Well, Stanley protests and says that. Uh, Michael says they can bring people. <laughs> and uh, he says, "Well, yeah, well." I did, but how come you didn't? He says, I brought my wife, Terry. <laughs> well, I look forward to meeting her. She's this person whose hand I'm holding, Michael. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, he's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> Dwight plays the, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you can, you know, people are in relationships of all shapes and sizes.
1: Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> Stanley is black and his wife is white.
0: Yeah. Michael.
1: And they ridiculous. both
0: just kind of like, give each other a look and roll their eyes and
1: yeah i mean i'm I'm sure terry knows all about michael at this point oh yeah and i'm sure just like the depressing reality of the world we live in any couple that's an interracial couple probably deals with that from you know more often than just from someone like michael
0: especially back in 2005
1: yeah still even now it continues I mean, anytime, now but yeah. I, I
0: feel like at least in certain parts of the country They probably get a lot less looks than they were 10 years ago.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, hopefully less and less everywhere as time moves forward. Hopefully. Yeah. But clearly Michael uh, did not take that into consideration. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So from here we see uh, Roy and Daryl uh, express their discontent over the separate checks and figure... Why bother staying? So they decided to go to Poor Richard's. Oh, is that where they decided to go? I didn't catch that. That makes sense. I think uh, you
0: hear Daryl just say, hey, man, let's just go to Poor Richard's. Right. Which is apparently a real bar
1: in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I would assume so, because they bring it up all the time. They do. It's a great name for a bar. It is. And, uh, yeah, we don't see Pam leave with them, but then we do see her in the parking lot later with them. That's right. But Uh, before that... I was going to say, uh, Michael starts awarding his dundies finally, and the first one goes to Phyllis. It's the Bushiest Beaver Award. Well,
0: (laughs) he presents it as the busiest beaver.
1: Yeah, of course,
0: that's what he meant. And then Phyllis (laughs) reads the plaque on the bottom of the trophy It says, Michael, this says the Bushiest Beaver Award. (laughs) Well, that's a typo.
1: (laughs) We'll
0: we'll fix it. We'll fix
1: it. You don't don't have to display that. We'll fix it. And seems like a good time to go into Phyllis. Phyllis Smith. Talk about Phyllis, yeah. Yeah. She was born July 10th, 1951, and she originally got started as a casting associate for... Well, I don't know if she got started as a casting associate for The Office, but she originally was that.
0: That was her foot in the door.
1: Yes. And uh, yeah, she's best known for playing Phyllis in The Office, and she was also critically acclaimed as doing the voice of sadness for inside out, which I have not seen, but I hear is quite good.
0: That's right. Who else did we go over? Uh, it was, uh, I don't remember. No, it was, uh,
1: Mindy. Mindy was discussed, right? Yeah. And she also is a character in the Netflix series, the OA, and she is awesome. I have not yet seen her in season two.
0: Don't know if she's in there. Don't, Tell me if she is, but she was very good in season one.
1: Yeah, I won't spoil for you if she comes back or not, but she's great in it. All right, um, so Phyllis, in the 1970s and 80s, she apparently also worked as a dancer and a cheerleader for the St. Louis Cardinals football team and a burlesque performer. I thought that was pretty interesting. Ooh la la, Phyllis. Phyllis coming alive, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) She said there was no stripping, but she did wear feathers. And she apparently stopped dancing after she had a knee injury. She worked briefly as a telemarketer, only lasted three hours, which I also thought was funny because (laughs) I've never been a telemarketer, but having jobs that require you being on the telephone a lot, I absolutely empathize with that. Oh man, not to mention, as a
0: telemarketer, people are instantly hostile. Yeah. So, not only are you on the telephone with people, but nobody wants to talk to you.
1: Yeah, I feel like sometimes if I see a spam call coming in, I like will pick it up hoping that there's someone on the, the end just so I can like yell at them for a second.
0: <laughs> so I work with <laughs> I work with a guy and he cannot stand uh telemarketing calls. But even just today, he picked up his phone and walked back to the area where I was working and I just like caught little snippets of his conversation. And it was a telemarketer calling asking about his car and saying that his warranty was up and that if he wanted to extend it, he should give him his credit card info. <laughs> and, it, and the guy asked, like, uh, can I just ask what car you're driving? And Jack's like, oh, it's the same one that was last on record. And he goes, but it caught on fire yesterday. So, and the guy's like, well, what kind of car was it? And he's like, well, I'm still driving it. It's still in drivable condition. And the guy's like, are you driving it now? And Jack was like, well, yeah. And he's like, it's actually still on fire right now, actually. <laughs> and the guy on the other end of the phone was just like, okay, thank you, sir. Bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny that the telemarketer like gave up. I mean, I guess at that well, point it's person clear is that, telling the you that the on the scam. That they're yeah.
0: driving a car that's on fire <laughs> just need to know when to cut your losses. I guess so. It's a numbers game. You know, you just stick to the script.
1: Yeah, you make your pitch, <laughs> make the sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he didn't get Vikram, or your coworker could have been in some trouble. It's true. <laughs> All right, so after her stint in telemarketing. She started working in casting, she was an extra in Caddyshack, and I think since from that point, she did not have any acting roles until The Office. Wow. Yeah, where she worked as a casting associate for them, they loved how she delivered her lines with the potential actors, and they wrote the character specifically based on her mannerisms. Love it. Yeah. And she also received the Screen Actors Guild Award in 2006 and seven for her performance in The Office in the category of Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy Series. So yes, yeah, she shared that with... Everybody. Yeah. Maybe not everybody, but probably all the principals, I imagine.
0: Man, seeing her in the OA, it's amazing to me that she doesn't have any proper training. I mean, being on The Office for nine years is mm-hmm. training enough, but that was a comedic role and she had dramatic scenes in it, but nothing like the OA in the OA. She's
1: nothing like Phyllis, nothing like Phyllis or you got it or you ain't. (laughs) Yeah, she's got it. She does. Yeah, she is awesome. And it's too bad. She didn't start acting earlier, but you know what? Maybe she wouldn't be as known or as great. You know, her life led her to doing what she's doing. Right. And, you it's know, good to have yeah. it to appreciate.
0: And sometimes you wouldn't get cast in certain parts being the actor you are maybe in the middle of your life or later in life. hmm You know what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah. You just kind of become a character of your own, and part of that character is your
1: age. Yeah, that's true.
0: So, yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining that as I'm picturing it in my head, but yeah, something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... feel like i get it yeah okay (laughs) yeah um so yeah that is phyllis and uh, what do we go after phyllis's bushiest beaver award we see pam yeah it cuts to the parking lot
0: and uh roy is kind of like dragging pam to the truck by her arm Mm -hmm. and pam is arguing with him like no i don't want to go like, I want to stay here for this. If you had asked me before we left, you would know that. And rips her arm away from his hand and starts walking back.
1: And what does Roy say? to says something like every year he's like a complete jackass. He always does this. Yeah. and Yeah. And uh, it
0: looks like Roy leaves. And that argument was improvised as they were shooting it. Oh, really? Yeah. As they were shooting it, um, they basically told them like, you know, go walk towards the truck and and act like you're having an argument. And the scene was intended to be silent, just showing Pam uh. ripping her arm from Roy's grasp. But I guess they did such a good job improvising the argument that they left that in there.
1: I guess that makes sense. You know, it's easier instead of mouthing words at one another like weird goldfish. Oh, yeah. Even if they're not going to use your audio, you might as well come up with something to say to make it look good. Right. And uh, I think that's also the
0: reason why you don't hear the audio as clearly as, like, other scenes. Because mm-hmm. they weren't intending it originally to have audio. So you, like, hear them off in the distance with it having this argument, not directly into the the audio feed. Right. You know, via microphone.
1: Mm-hmm. They're using the parabolic mics.
0: Seem- seemingly.
1: Yeah. Well, they talk about that much, much, much later in the series. Mm-hmm. How they can capture everything. Oh, see, yeah, ball, yeah, yeah, yeah! Right, the boom guy. Right. Um. So yeah, after that argument, we cut yep. back to the Dundies and we meet Ping. Yeah, Pam makes it back inside and
0: she's like, "Oh, good, I'm just in time for Ping." <laughs> oh, right. Yeah.
1: I'm going to call Gene and Gould. Oh, good, I'm just in time for Ping. Oh, got yeah. him everywhere. I'm Mr. Horny. Mm. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Can I get a drink? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how in the deleted scene when uh, they're talking about Ping and they're still at the office, Oscar and Kelly tell him how offensive Ping is as a character. Michael protests saying it's his most popular one. And then he says, well, you know, my Chinese delivery guy talks exactly like that. So bring it up to him. <laughs> This Chinese delivery guy says miso horny <laughs> when he's, he's delivering so Chinese food to Michael.
0: Oh, man. I feel so bad for they, the camera cuts at one point. Random to, Asian girl. Yeah, random Asian girl <laughs> sitting at another table in the chilies, and she just gives this look of disgust towards Michael. Only
1: appropriate look to have. Oh, absolutely. And, and
0: he, it's funny because we see Michael do ping at other points throughout the show. Uh huh. But he's got. Like the most absurd exaggerated buck teeth. Oh yeah. He's got the full blown buck teeth. He's
1: got the giant glasses. He's uh it's pretty much a direct take from I'm gonna look up the name of this character just because I don't have it off the top of my head. Have you ever seen Breakfast at Tiffany's? Hmm.
0: I feel like I that's Audrey Hepburn, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um well yeah, anyway. He basically looks exactly like her neighbor in that movie. Um, I think it was played by Martin Balsam. Oh, no, it was played by Mickey Rooney. He played Mr. Yunioshi. Wow. And he, here, I'm going to pull up a picture just to show it to you in case you either didn't see it or don't remember. But this is straight up what Michael's going for, and it is horrible. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should put a clip to that image in our show notes. Yeah. We're not endorsing this terrible representation of Asian people, obviously, but this is, it's real bad. It was real bad in Breakfast and Tiffany's. And I think Michael, because he even has like the plaid as well as the glasses Uh, and the teeth. So I think he just was taking it. Yeah. Directly from Mickey Rooney. Straight up. You know, I met him once. Really? Yeah.
0: Uh, My grandfather. Uh, was mayor of Sarasota for a while, and he was giving Mickey Rooney like the symbolic key to the city.
1: Oh yeah, I think you told me this. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, so they had this big soirée at my grandparents' house, and he showed up, and he was, I mean, obviously very old mm-hmm. at the time that it happened, and he had no patience for kids, so he didn't even acknowledge my sister or me
1: i think he got really bitter as time went on in his life
0: yeah i mean yeah he was just really grumpy Mm -hmm. the entire time and even my grandmother said that he was like rude to her at one point some i i feel like it was some misogynistic comment
1: Mm. but uh hopefully he was nicer when he dated my grandma Oh, that's before that
0: that's right <laughs> that's what came up as a result of this
1: yeah show. so that's oh. how i heard this story from you before right when i found out from my mom that my grandma dated mickey rooney seemingly for like a year or two like when they were both like very young like wow. in their 20s and this was your mom's mom yeah yeah wow yeah and unfortunately she's deceased but if she wasn't i definitely would be asking her about it oh
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah i only wish i had known when she was still here but interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Hopefully he was a little nicer to her. Hopefully. Yeah. She was a really nice lady. She was. Oh, yeah. You met her. I That's did. That's right. A couple times. We've yeah. known each other for like a really long time. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> well, anyway, getting back to what are we... What is this podcast about again? It's just about <laughs> our families, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Rob and Dan show. Yeah.
0: Dan and Rob show.
1: So next up on the what dan and rob rob and dan doesn't matter either way change it each time we uh come to the next dundee award that is going to hottest in the office oh man <laughs> michael's playing it up and <laughs> i believe
0: in miracles <laughs> hey ho where you from sexy, you thing. sexy thing you <laughs> and i love at this point michael's like his ties off. His, yep. <laughs> the but the top button on his shirt's
1: undone. He's just got so much swagger introducing this award. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he uh, <laughs> awards it to Ryan, the temp, somebody we all can't keep our eyes off. <laughs> somebody who's really hot. <laughs> I love the expressions on Jim and Pam's faces when. <laughs> ryan gets called out as the hottest in the office yeah. and just as ryan walks up there and i love how michael uh teases him with the dundee he's not gonna give it to him he's oh, yeah. pulling it back and dancing to the song yep <laughs> <laughs> and then when finally he takes it he slaps him on the ass <laughs> sends him on his way <laughs> oh,
0: man. you know what else is funny is uh this is the only person who gets a spotlight shined on them
1: <laughs> I didn't even notice that. winning the award. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. Where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. I have no idea. I mean, Dwight must have had something, but it's hilarious that this
1: is the. But only... where was he? Is he in like the rafters of this Chili's? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> I mean,
0: I would imagine Dwight would have
1: like a hunting spotlight. Like, oh, I you can know. see that.
0: But I, yeah, other th- I don't know. <laughs> it seemed like the ent- the lights in the entire restaurant dropped just for this. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's got a lot of sway at this Chili's. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, he's set up his... until tonight. In the deleted scene, we see that he set up his uh, costume rack in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, he's got a huge costume so. rack. <laughs> he's got the, the headdress. <laughs> right, yeah. Clown, he's got a clown afro. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one we see in the first video that Pam's reviewing. The same clown outfit. Oh, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> suspenders. Right. And uh, yeah, I think we have a clip of Ryan's reaction to getting the hottest in the office award. Yeah, the the camera crew pulls
0: him aside and interviews him about how he how he feels about winning this award. Yep. <laughs> what am I gonna do with the award? Nothing. I I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's the least of my concerns right now. it would it would be me too
1: yeah i'm amazed that he continues to work there after that i feel like i if that was me and i was a temp of all things i'd be out of there there's no way
0: and you know what's funny is the writers intended to make uh the origin of michael's weird attraction to ryan the fire yeah in the episode the fire and the network asked that the dundies be the first episode of the season Mm -hmm. so it i feel like it would have had even more impact in this episode had they built up michael's attraction to ryan prior i mean we get the slap on Mm -hmm. the ass which you know (laughs) signifies something weird's going on already but you know
1: yeah it makes sense though i didn't think about that even when i read that earlier so if the fire was supposed to originally be the first episode of the second season i feel like in a rare
0: well we don't know if it was going to be the first episode all we know is that it was going to be before this one
1: fair enough Mm -hmm. so i guess we can assume it would have been earlier on than it was somehow maybe but it makes sense because amy adams also comes back in that episode briefly whereas she is just kind of like forgotten about I mean the Until next then, the
0: next episode isn't even the fire it's sexual harassment. That's true but maybe they
1: felt that pacing-wise, you know, since they already kind of have Michael's strange attraction to Ryan as a plot point and a joke doubling down on it like right after the fact would just be like too much.
0: Mm, maybe you know,
1: save it for later, kind of space it out so that it's funnier. Yeah. Or not just something that's like going to be brought up and then, you know, forgotten about or something like that
0: what comes first the booze cruise or the fire
1: um i think oh the fire it has to be the 100%, fire yeah because yeah. yeah okay yep for a lot of reasons yes but anyway yeah i'm amazed ryan does not leave the office because i definitely would <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i mean even if it weren't the boss who slapped my ass i'd still want to leave
1: yeah yeah I don't need anyone I work
0: with doing that to me.
1: No. Unsolicited. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, anyway, we get a few more dundies after this, just kind of rapid fire. We see Angela get the tight ass award. <laughs> Not only cause she's a stickler cause she's also got a great caboose. <laughs> she refuses to come up to accept it. Come on down. <laughs> no, I think, uh, it's the first we start seeing of, uh, Pam, We didn't really talk about how when she comes back and sits at the gym, we kind of brush past it that she immediately orders a drink first thing.
0: And starts drinking his beer before she even orders. That's right. She grabs yeah. his
1: beer, takes a drink, orders a drink. Mm-hmm. I think. It, I think between the last time we've seen her and now, we've seen little snips of her grabbing other people's, like mostly finished drinks off their table.
0: Well, she had. She started sipping Jim's beer. Ordered a drink which was a margarita. Mm-hmm. We assume that drink came. But at this point, she's at the bottom of her second margarita, which could have come from the waitstaff, or maybe she had stolen it off of someone's table.
1: I, I feel like we definitely see a clip of her at some point's drink. Well, yeah, drink. Uh, she steals. Or that not already happened yet?
0: She steals. Uh, um, that might happen right after Angela gets her award, either that or after Kelly gets hers. Okay. Yeah, and she takes... Uh, but Stanley's Terry? Wife? Terry. Yeah, she takes Terry's margarita off of her because and asks if she's gonna finish it.
1: That's right. Yeah. Terry seems a little taken aback.
0: A little bit. I mean not Sam asks, Hey, are you guys back. gonna yeah. finish that? And Terry just kinda gives her a look like, mm, no. So yeah.
1: Yeah, just it's more surprised, not I like mean, offended or upset or anything. Just like it oh, is an geez. awkward like, right. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah person's a little bit of an alky or whatever <laughs> and uh but yeah right after angela refuses to accept the award pam you know lets out a very loud laugh she's already starting to get pretty drunk yeah um next up is kelly she gets the spicy curry award <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> why me <laughs> you know not everything has to mean something
0: <laughs> this isn't even a businessman this is a bowler
1: <laughs> they ran out of businessmen <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah kelly obviously not pleased either for no. Kelly. <laughs> then we cut to michael he's uh it looks like he's behind like either the bar or like a cashier's booth i think i think he's behind dwight's
0: dj booth
1: but he has a cash register right next to him too i noticed oh so it looks like yeah. he's somewhere else Maybe and i think right. he's like not even with the group anymore but he's completely drenched in sweat <laughs> Oh yeah. He's <laughs> drinking water for a water bottle. He's been working real hard. He's so sweaty. It kind of makes me think of that always sunny episode, like way early on where they decide they're gonna do their own news show to like show the people what's really going on. And every time <laughs> they turn on the camera, Mac is just like Matt. pouring sweat like he just got out of a swimming pool. <laughs> Has this look on his face
0: like he's so exasperated, even from like the get go. No, he's not exasperated, he looks scared. <laughs> Yeah, Every yeah. time
1: Charlie's like, you look scared for some reason, dude. He's like, what? No, I don't. And then he just looks terrified <laughs> so like, just nervous staring at oncoming on traffic. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, funny. <laughs> but yeah, Michael is uh, very sweaty. And uh, he says he knows what Bob Hope was going through performing for the troops in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I didn't look into this, but did Bob Hope ever perform for any... Have we ever had any troops in Saudi Arabia? I mean, for better or for worse, we're allies with them, so... Uh, maybe during the... Gulf War, maybe
0: not that we were there, I'm not like, fighting, occupying them, yeah. them, but just using Saudi Arabia as a strategic point. To, that would make sense. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Never. I'm I'm not like not a fan of Bob Hope, but I also don't know a whole lot of
1: what he's done in his career. I think the bulk of my Bob Hope knowledge comes from Michael bringing up Bob Hope all the time. Yeah, the I mean, he's
0: kind of before our time. Yeah. Sorry, Bob.
1: Yep, I think he's dead, so he'll be fine. <laughs>
0: well, I was looking up at the sky when I said that.
1: Ah, okay. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I also like that he blames Dwight on <laughs> sucking the funny out of the room. Sucking
0: the funny out of the room.
1: <laughs> it's another thing he has to contend with.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> Dwight does keep, like, correcting him. Michael makes a joke about dating a girl in HR and... <laughs> As soon as as soon as Michael sets up that premise, Dwight's just like, "We don't have any w- women that work in
1: HR." No, Dwight, it's <laughs> a joke. Just
0: shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't say that, but he's he's emoting that.
1: Yeah, uh, I forgot to even. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. <laughs> I love that back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. And then we sat down. She made me fill out two and a half hours of paperwork. Wait, <laughs> like an AIDS test? Like
0: an AIDS test? <laughs> no, Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
1: Also, what kind of paperwork-based AIDS tests is Dwight familiar with? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe AIDS tests do have a paper portion, but I imagine the more important portion would be a blood test. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Dwight is, uh, if anything, Dwight's the saving grace of this entire show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as viewers, Dwight's always great, but oh, yeah. I feel like if I was one of the employees there, Dwight, I'd be getting the bulk of... My enjoyment out of Dwight Yeah <laughs> um, So yeah, then Michael uh, Immediately starts hearing Tiny Dancers Play in the background and complains That Dwight was early with the cue, he's gotta run Is it Tiny Dancer? I think that was, oh, was that not Tiny Dancer? Was that not, oh yeah, no, no. that was Tiny Dancer No, Tiny Dancer's at the end
0: of the episode
1: It's both Oh really? Because that's right after this, Michael goes up sta- on stage Again, well stage Oh yeah, holding and and he's now, singing Tiny Dundee yeah, that's right. So right. he's singing Tiny Dundee, and that's when he gets heckled by the guys at the bar. Uh, and, you know, sing it, Alton, right? And uh, yell that he sucks, and they start throwing food at him. It's kind of amazing. They don't get in any kind of they don't get kicked out of Chili's, yeah. Although, I guess maybe the Chili's staff is like, oh, thank god, maybe this guy'll stop. <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> we'll yeah. take
1: the people throwing our food just to. Have an end to this. Hopefully. I'm sure the
0: staff is just dealing with
1: a bunch of patrons that don't
0: work at Dunder Mifflin that are like kind of pissed that they have to be there. Yeah,
1: like 85% of the restaurant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that would make sense. And you know what's funny is I feel like if this were season one, Michael would have just cut the Dundies off and that would have been the end, and every would have everyone would have just left the Chili's like kind of let down. Yeah. And that's the difference here <laughs> is Pam has this moment of empathy mm-hmm. for Michael. Drunken empathy. and it, empathy Yeah, and it takes her
1: five drinks to get there. But And Jim, too. He's right on board with Oh, it. yeah. And we but,
0: see that from Jim. But Pam the is future. the one who leads the charge. Of, totally. Yeah. All right, Kevin. <laughs> smelliest bowel movement.
1: <laughs> yeah. First, he gets the Dundee for smelliest bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's right after uh, she tells him there's more Dundees that... He hasn't awarded yet, so that's the next up, Kevin. Right. For uh the Don't Go In There After Me award. <laughs> <laughs> the time he went to the bathroom after he used it. It was really smelly. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's fiance looks
0: horrified. Yeah. And Kevin doesn't look very <laughs> happy either.
1: No. He looks very sad, very ashamed, and uh Feel like it helps when, yeah, as you were saying, Pam starts cheering for Kevin for smelliest bowel movement yeah. and Jim joins in. I feel like it's kind of And everybody starts clapping, spin but on Yeah. It. They're yeah. just
0: trying to like back up Michael in this moment of, you know, try trying to pull him out of his
1: moment of shame. Mm-hmm. And Kevin. And Kevin, yeah. Mostly Kevin at this point. Yeah. Michael's already been pulled out of his moment of shame. <laughs> now he put it on to Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about Kevin. Kevin is played by Brian Bruce Baumgartner. He was born November 29th, 1972, and he is best known for playing Kevin Malone.
0: He's got the same initials as the Better
1: Business Bureau. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Good spot out. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's originally from Atlanta, and he went to the same uh, private school. It was K-12 through as Ed Helms. It was one year above him. Awesome. Yeah. cool little connection yeah i don't know if they knew each other at all but still neat and i feel like they had a fun connection once ed helms joins the show i always enjoyed it whenever andy and kevin would have weird little team-ups yeah i
0: mean they end up in a band together too
1: that's true kevin and the zits yeah So, um, yeah, before moving to L.A. to pursue acting, it looks like uh, Brian was the artistic director of the Hidden Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he received multiple awards for both artistic and acting excellence, which hmm. is pretty neat. That is cool. Uh, he's been in a number of TV shows besides The Office, Arrested Development, Everwood, Wilfred. Oh, um, Wilfred. Yeah. That's a great show. It is. It's
0: one that I always I always forget about it until i see uh elijah woods elijah woods yeah i don't know it was a great show it was you really really kept you on your toes because you never knew if it was elijah wood just having a psychotic break or if some of this stuff was actually
1: happening really that was your take Feel like there was for me, I never felt it was ambiguous. I feel like clearly none of this is happening. I suppose. Elijah Wood is introduced immediately from the first episode as being like very mentally ill even before the dog shows up. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess from his perspective,
0: you don't he doesn't know if it's real.
1: Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. For sure. And um well yeah, anyway, uh in June two thousand seven, he also won a daytime Emmy Award for outstanding Broadband, broadband program, comedy for his work in The Office, The Accountants webisodes, which I feel like I've seen, but I need to watch them again. It's been a long time; I don't really remember it.
0: We should. It's interesting because it's just weird. Just the term webisodes in in this day and age, just yeah, it's definitely a, a term that did, never took off.
1: Yeah. And I mean, now a lot of television is exclusively webisodes. Yeah. So, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Making air quotes for our listeners who can't (laughs) see me. Or are you viewers? I'm not sure. Maybe you can see me. Do we have cameras set up here? Hmm. Oh, more on that later. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he got that award. He shared it with Angela Kinsey and Oscar Nunez, the other accountants. And he is also apparently an accomplished golfer. Awesome. Yeah, which I guess factors into that later episode where he goes golfing with Jim and Andy. Yep. And Jim's uh, prospective client. Right. Yeah. So from here, we move on to Stanley. Stanley wins the Fine Work Award. <laughs> I think we have a clip of his acceptance speech. All right, all right, okay, all right. We'll keep rolling. Oh, okay, this is the Fine Work Award. This goes to Stanley for all the fine work he did this year. You know
0: you did. Well, last year I got great work, so I don't, (laughs) so I don't know what to think about this award. But at least I didn't get smelliest bow movement like Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Man, Pam is super hyper.
1: Oh, yeah, she is getting pretty drunk. And I don't know if you saw, I was reading that apparently uh, Pam, uh, not Pam, the actress, Jenna Fisher, Fisher. is not a big drinker. Right. And, uh, yeah, so BJ Novak, Ryan the Temp, ended up uh, taking her out to get drinks and then recording her while she was drunk. So that he can show her the difference between how she acted in reality and how she thought she acted. Right. How she per- perceived herself when she was drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that informs her role. And <laughs> I could totally see it because, you know, I feel like people playing drunk, even if they're great actors, it can be a mixed bag how convincing it is. Yeah. I totally buy that she's drunk in this episode. She's selling me mm-hmm. on it. You know, what's funny is uh,
0: that's why I, I always give, uh, I'm always impressed by uh in trailer park boys the security guard Leahy, mr Leahy. oh yeah man that guy <laughs> does the best impression of just like a super sloshy alcoholic mm-hmm. like maybe one of the better comedic alcoholic performances ever
1: yeah he's great yes he it's a great show i need to get back to that one of these years finish it all to be honest so much
0: i mean i was gonna say it's still going
1: yeah i know That's- yeah
0: and the later seasons it's I don't, it loses a little bit of its magic once they get
1: hmm. a larger budget hmm, i could see that yeah i think part of the charm is definitely the kind of homespun the, feel of it right the ragtag comedy
0: troupe mm-hmm. you know scraping together as much as they can and putting their all into
1: it but yeah still good it's good stuff it's a great uh it's like Die Hard, you know? It just kind of forgot its roots along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, So anyway, Stanley the Manly is played <laughs> by Leslie David Baker. He was born February 19th, 1958, and he is best known for playing Stanley. He apparently had another audition scheduled the day he was called back for the office. On his way to the office audition, he got caught in traffic and producers thought he had been to the bathroom and thanked him for his patience. He said uh, when he got there, he was kind of sweaty, his clothes were rumpled, and he was cranky. And the character was written the way he was feeling that day, and he just let her rip. He auditioned. He figured he didn't get it. Then he left. Two weeks later, he got the call. You got the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was also part of the that won the uh, SAG Award for the Outstanding Performance and Ensemble Comedy Series in 2007 and 2008. And he currently stars in Raven's Home on Disney as Principal Wentworth. Hmm. And that's cool that he's getting a starring role in something. Yeah. Yeah. And he's had small roles in lots of other stuff, like that 70s show, Malcolm in the Middle, Scrubs, and other things. Have you ever gone through Malcolm in the Middle? I made it...
0: Four seasons into it, and then started watching something else, and never
1: went back. But did you? I don't remember when he shows up, but did you see him in there? Do you remember? Not that I recall, because he almost could be playing Stanley from The Office in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, really? Because the only he's in one episode, he runs into Hal Brian Cranston at the store, and he's there trying talking to a salesperson trying to buy a toaster. That he says is for a wedding, for a wedding gift. Huh. So could be Stanley. Could be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Malcolm Middle doesn't take place in Scranton. No. Although I'm not sure where it takes place. Yeah, I don't know if they ever. I think they might have been purposefully vague to try to just make give it a generic middle of America feel. Yeah, it could be anywhere. Yeah. Or it could be way off, and they could say it tons of times exactly where it takes place. Doesn't matter. We'll get to that on our next podcast about Malcolm <laughs> <in> the Middle. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he has also had a number of roles in films as well. And in 2011, he released
0: a music video under his <coughs> own name called To Be Simple featuring N-U-M. Huh. Who, so I guess, maybe made the music behind him. But it's a really funny music video. It's like... It's Stanley, but he's in a good mood and he's like dancing a lot. Leslie David Baker. Well, yeah. yeah. Leslie David Baker. Yeah, it's great. And Very it's cool. it's totally different from his character in this show. So. What about Florida Stanley?
1: <laughs> it's similar to Florida Stanley. Florida Stanley's the guy you want on your team. Yeah. Florida Stanley's happy to go to work. Florida Stanley smiles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll link to that music video in the description
1: that is Stanley and that is also almost the end of going through all the principal cast members the only ones we have left are is Creed Creed and the people that haven't arrived yet right Um, and yeah we're gonna save Creed until he actually has his first lines in the Halloween episode coming up later this season yeah and I guess there's also Devin I think he's the only random silent anonymous cast member that's been left over he is mentioned by name once earlier in this episode. We kind of brushed past it. When Dwight's uh kind of helping Michael introduce the Dundies, he threatens that he has wrap-it-up music and he's not afraid to use it. Devin. Devin. And then we just get a glimpse of Devin sitting there. Right. <laughs> and we had seen him a
0: couple times in season one, but he was never named. No. He never had a speaking part. Just- I kind of
1: liked that, though. I, I At least I took that as like that being the joke. Like, the one guy who gets called out for... Speaking too long is the guy that we've never seen speak yet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Nor do we even know their name. Right. And even in the deleted scenes of Devin in season one, he still doesn't speak. Yeah. We see him outside smoking a cigarette with West Nile on his forehead. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, we are getting back to the Dundies and Michael has finally gotten around to giving Pam her award and the second he brings up Pam, or he he says, uh, I think we all know who's getting or what this is going to be. And she's just bracing for it. She oh, yeah. is not happy. And it's the whitest sneakers award. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and she and,
0: is ecstatic.
1: Oh, yeah. She is super happy. She jumps up, gives Michael a big hug. And uh, <laughs> she has so many people to thank. Just <laughs> laughing. She uh, thanks Michael first, because hosting is harder than it looks, and also because of Dwight. (laughs) Dwight raises his hand like he was thanked. (laughs) (laughs) And she also thanks God, because God gave her that Dundee, and God is in this room tonight. (laughs) And then she gives out a loud, woo, and runs over to Jim, hugs him, and kisses him on the mouth.
0: Yeah, their first
1: official kiss. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Yeah, and uh, Jim looks pretty taken aback, pleasantly taken aback. Oh, yeah. Um, And she just kind of brushes right past it, but then we immediately cut to them sitting at the bar. Jim is just kind of recapping the night, what we saw, and his feelings about it, and, you know, about Ryan getting the hottest in the office. Mm-hmm. And Pam is staring at Jim super intently, just not looking just at the camera at all. Almost undressing him with her eyes.
0: Yeah. Just... Ah, like, Jim is really doing it for her right now. And, uh... (laughs) They really ratchet up the whole, uh... This episode is just, like, steroids to the Jim and Pam romance. Yeah. if If you had any ambiguity about how they felt about each other from last season, it is totally wiped away in this episode.
1: But I feel like Jim is playing it cool.
0: A little bit. I mean, he is... He's pretty enamored with her too. Whenever she makes like a drunk. Well, joke,
1: I just mean in front of the cameras.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, but I mean, there's scenes with them at the table where Jim is just like, oh, he's know. smitten. Oh yeah,
1: exactly. That's my yeah. Point. Whenever she like, laughs or does something goofy, when she makes like, her when she makes yeah. her second
0: drink joke, like Jim reacts second to that, drink. like it's the funniest <laughs> thing he's ever heard, and it's not. No, it's not that funny at all. It's just because it's Pam saying
1: it. And I think it's also probably one of the first times that he's seen her really like kind of cut loose in that way. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's and also it didn't fascinated seem like she was really
1: drinking when she was there with Roy in the past yeah.
0: and Yeah, he's definitely fascinated by drunk Pam cuz this is a side of her that mm-hmm. he's never seen.
1: Yeah, Pam starts laughing. She falls backwards off of the bar stool she's sitting on next hmm. to Jim, uh, still laughing. Dwight runs over to try to help, starts pulling his shirt off thinking he sees his Well, from a s- From across the room, he shouts, there's a woman having a seizure. Yeah. And runs to the rescue. To try to cushion her head. (laughs) I was reading that uh, apparently the original script called for her to throw up. Yeah, I have this in the... Uh, Okay, yeah, and Chili's uh, did not feel comfortable having someone throwing up in their restaurant. They had them
0: change the script. Michael apparently was the one who negotiated... Mm -hmm. with them and said okay all we're gonna do is have her fall off the stool and have dwight shout that she's having a seizure also there was another thing in the script the writers intended pam to be overserved by the wait staff and they refused that too but chili's put the kibosh on that and was Mm -hmm. like we need to come up with another way for her to get drunk that doesn't implicate us Mm -hmm. so that's why they ended up having pam steal people's drinks as opposed to her being served, uh, being overserved,
1: Right. And that makes sense. Chili's doesn't want to oh, yeah, bad. Right. And they have a big reputation to uphold, you know? <laughs> when I think quality, I think Chili's. So Dwight runs over
0: to Pam. She's fallen off the stool. He thinks that she's seizing up, or seizuring, <laughs> and proceeds to take off both of his shirts. He's got an undershirt <laughs> and a button-down shirt and decides that he needs both of them to properly cushion Pam's heads. So I don't she,
1: even think he gets them off. I think he leaves the top button, button oh, so it's right. just like stuck on top of his head. In and, the like, deleted kid scene, trying to get undressed the, or dressed.
0: Yeah, in the deleted scene, he ends up getting it off.
1: Right. right. Yeah. And <laughs> the manager.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's struggling to get his shirts off, and the manager comes over and it's just like, "Sir, please, please put your shirt back on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave unless you
1: put your shirt back on." In the deleted scene, Dwight retorts, I'm a volunteer sheriff, I could have this place swarming. <laughs>
0: no, he says, I work for the uh, sheriff's department, and Jim chimes in and says, he's a volunteer. Oh, right.
1: <laughs> Lackawanna <laughs> County Sheriff's Department. Right. And, uh, and then he starts yelling at the manager while still completely bare-chested that the manager needs to calm down. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> the manager like sir just please calm down like oh man that's so
1: funny (laughs) put on your shirt
0: (laughs) so yeah shortly after this the entire group essentially gets kicked out of the chilies we see them all walking outside everyone's a little tipsy and pam is of course just kind of beyond the pale drunk at this point
1: yeah she is a bullion yes Runs the camera, wooing That's, more. That is a good word to describe it. <laughs> Best undies ever! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Ooh, nice. Yeah. I was gonna. I was thinking about doing it, but I was like, I don't think I can hit that register. But <laughs> you got closer than I definitely would have, and closer than I could have imagined you would have. So uh, I got that. Done. I
0: got that falsetto, baby.
1: Nice. Oh yeah. Are oh, we sing the high harmonies and the Happy Birthday song? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah what does Michael say about the Dundies? uh he asked the camera do they think does he think it was a success he says uh he made people laugh so hard that Pam fell out of her chair and almost broke her neck so he killed almost, almost. <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah after this we uh see Michael leaving with Dwight and Michael says that Dwight did great job and Dwight thinks he's talking about Pam <laughs> does he yeah, he says the he's like, "Oh, thanks." He's like, "You know, I had to check her pupils oh. to make sure she didn't have a concussion." Oh, he's right. like, "Well, no, I mean the audio work, you right. know, You did a great job." And Dwight seems genuinely flattered. Oh yeah. Yeah, very happy.
0: See, this is this is something. This is the scene we would have never gotten in season 1. Yeah, never. It's very uplifting.
1: Everybody has like their mm-hmm. happy ending and and yeah, I feel like this is more of the kind of Greg Daniels shining through over the Ricky Gervais influence. Yeah. It's like, I feel like watching like King of the Hill or his other stuff, you know, there's always like something a little heartwarming there that you can latch on to. That's nice. Yeah. And then we see Jim sitting with Pam waiting for Angela to pull up to give Pam a ride home. And Uh, we also, we also see, uh, we got a little,
0: um, perspective from the Chili's manager.
1: Oh, I forgot all about it. Rushed right past it. That's right. The Chili's manager giving his take on the night. We have a strict policy here not to overserve. apparently, this young woman was sneaking drinks off other people's tables. I Xerox her driver's license, and she is not welcome at this restaurant chain ever again. <laughs> I love that little click that he makes, yeah, <laughs> and just I don't know everything about that guy. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. <laughs> I looked him up, I don't remember his name, but uh and yeah, he he's been in a number of things, but nothing I've seen. yeah he's great in that brief little part
0: it's really funny to think that of all of the people in the office that pam is the one that would get banned
1: yep um so yeah we have jim and pam sitting and pam uh says that she feels bad about writing that thing about michael on the bathroom wall jim says no she doesn't (laughs) they share a little laugh about it and then Angela pulls up, and right before uh, Pam gets in, she stops Jim and asks him if she can ask him a question. Something looks very serious. And then she seems to notice the camera that's staring at them and says she just wanted to say thanks. And uh, Jim kind of awkwardly is like, oh, is that a question? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's right. yeah,
0: like, well, it's not a question, but okay.
1: And uh, yeah, he thanks Angela for giving Pam a ride home, and we see them drive off. And, uh, yeah, I, I took a note. I really liked the framing of the last shot, just the car pulling away and you just see Jim and there's like a lot of negative space in the shot where he's just like Mm -hmm. completely by himself. And he's like, not that big in the shot either. Yeah. And then we see him just kind of smiling after the car. And this is like, you know, I feel like we talked a little bit of smack about John Krasinski as an actor, but I feel like he is really, really good at little subtle expressions. Like, better than most. I don't think we ever talked smack about his acting. Maybe we talked smack about Jack Ryan.
0: It was Not just, specifically about his acting. Just Jack Ryan, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Don Krasinski has a real knack for emoting complicated emotions with
1: just his face. That's true. I mean, he has the gym face. Right.
0: But, I mean, uh, in a, in a plethora of other faces.
1: I mean, yeah, of course. You so, always... Well, I just meant he's known of all the characters in The Office he has a face that people refer to years later as like yeah, the gym face. The gym you know, face, there's nobody, yeah. nobody refers to the Michael face or the Kevin face or the Bam face or right. the white face. No, you're right. But
0: yeah, I mean, when people refer to the gym face though, it's usually like the well, it's usual- the gym face. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's usually him like, you know, looking at the camera and giving a essentially an eye roll, but he doesn't. That's do true.
1: It, but no. other characters do that. But for whatever reason, none of the other characters are yeah. as memorable.
0: The thing is, too, is Jim is the straight man surrounded by. That's true. You know, all the crazies. So.
1: How does Oscar put it? Seasons later, he keeps, he's one of the people that keeps the balance between sane and others. (laughs) Yeah. I think Oscar sees that balance being kept by himself, Pam and Jim, and that's pretty much it. Right. And that's pretty much accurate. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he smiles as the car walks away. And then, you know, I feel like it's just for like a split second, like before he even turns, to look at the camera, but like, yeah, I don't know. His face just looks very heartbroken, you know, just like, see, I didn't,
0: I don't think it's, I think heartbroken is inaccurate because it's not that he was denied. I think it's more, no, I think it's more a face of, it's like the pain he feels pining for. Ham, who's unattainable.
1: Well, that's all I meant by heartbreak. Well, yeah, yeah. but I
0: not that he was. I think that's and... a separate emotion altogether. Okay, heartbreak. fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough.
1: That's my point.
0: I don't think heartbroken is the proper term for the look. I think it's more just like
1: okay, I'll give you that. The pain of
0: pining for her, which I think is a lot different than heartbreak.
1: Yeah, no, you're
0: right. You're right. Because if anything, the events of the night
1: only—it's—it's it's nothing that he should feel. Sad about. Well, yeah, and just that like yeah, I feel like it also kind of, you know, confirms what he already knew, which is this connection that they share. He also has now kissed her, which can't make it feel any easier. No, no, absolutely. And and that he knows that like as fun as tonight was and as close as he felt to her, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow they're both gonna be sober. She has a fiance that's not him. Right. And, you know, that's that. So it's just yeah yeah but i feel like it like you know as you said earlier like you know it kind of really pushes their like relationship and like mutual attraction forward like a lot a lot and it's like i feel like so much so to the point where yeah it kind of passes that threshold of him being interested to like now this is like really painful yeah it's like you know in season one where it ends with her resting her head against his shoulder and him smiling and kind of gently waking her and being like, you know, it was a pretty good day after losing a quarter of his yearly commission. Right. You know, he's still smiling about that because that was just a nice little moment. Right. And he's like, you know, we had that nice little moment and that's mm-hmm. good. And now it's just like, uh, holy crap, like, you know, this feels like something that's yeah, like, kind of real. It does take And it feels it like it's not just level. me. And now, like, but it's still the situation has not changed. Right. Besides that, like. Now I've had a taste right. of that forbidden fruit. And you
0: know what else is funny, which we kind of brought up earlier, but he's still technically dating Katie at this point.
1: That's true, and that's why I felt like it was kind of odd that, yeah, we don't know when this episode would have originally taken place. It's possible right. that maybe they wouldn't have been dating. Yeah. Was it supposed to be before or after the booze cruise? That's the question.
0: Right. And, other, and Katie is not here after Michael said that they were allowed to bring like friends and family.
1: Actually, it has to be before Booze Cruise, thinking about other things that happened in the Booze Cruise. Really?
0: Uh-huh. Why is that? Think about what happens with Roy and
1: Pam. They
0: set a date. Oh, so you're saying this episode has to happen before the
1: Booze exactly, Cruise. Exactly. Right. Because the joke of the engagement being so long wouldn't right. have made any sense it's if true. they had set a date. Yeah. And especially with the conversation that Michael has with Jim at the bar, and he's like, oh, you should be happy. You know, your friend got engaged, and Jim's like, well, she was already engaged. <laughs> Roy said the first one didn't count. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> uh. But yeah, so I guess he is still dating Katie. Yeah. Clearly that's not helping.
0: This is probably my favorite use of the song Tiny Dancer as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge... well Sing it, Elton! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, just even the way they timed the... Uh, like the intro solo piano Mm -hmm. and then right as jim shuts the door for pam like it it starts building up into the chorus and
1: yeah just that extra little tug on the heartstrings Mm -hmm. yeah greg daniels is really good at using musical cues to either push a plot or an emotional moment like forward yeah maybe one of the best i feel like uh the only person I would even think that like I routinely because watching The Office, I noticed that a lot too. Like just from episode to episode, that he's so good at that. I feel like Jody Hill too. Everything I've seen by Jody Hill, just the musical mm. intros and outros of the episodes, just like I don't know how you yeah decided to time it out at just this moment and to have this like person doing just this thing right when you play this, but mwah, yeah, real just good, wonderful. It almost
0: makes me think that people like that keep journals of the music they listen to and the different emotions that certain songs evoke
1: so that yeah. they, can, they can refer back and be like, oh, this is the perfect scene for this song. Otherwise, because it's like... Or just take a note when they hear something that they might want to use it one day. Yeah, yeah right. Because, yeah, that would be hard to keep track of. It, yeah, it is. Makes it all the more impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, we, uh, the Dundees Tiny Dancer takes us out. And, uh, yeah man great i wonder if the writers and producers had reservations about making the the opening episode of the season
1: yeah i wonder too because i could see it as a finale of sorts or like a mid-season finale right or... but i thought it was great because yeah
0: i think it's a great opener too it's a lot of there's a lot of really good character development like even just you know, the awards that Michael gives out kind of says something about each character. Mm hmm. You know? And so. the way that they react to
1: whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I have to side. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the writers were like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Mm hmm. But assuming that it was just the network pushing for it, like, good call, network. Yeah. Maybe one of the, you know, few times we would uh, say that about the. So called suits. Yeah, maybe one of the few times anybody could ever say that about them. Yeah. But it really works. And I feel like it also is a good episode for people that maybe didn't catch season one that you get this nice overlay of all the characters. You have the first 10 minutes ish of the episode, maybe eight minutes in the office. So you mm-hmm. get a little feel of that. But then you do what they never did in season one, which is you leave and then they just don't return for the entire rest of the episode. Right. And that's something we'll also see, you know, the only place they've been besides the office up to this point is the warehouse, right? Basketball. Mm -hmm. And moving forward, we see more and more episodes where they're not in the office, almost to the point where I feel like at a certain point in the show, it feels rare that they do spend the entire episode in the office or at least that they all do. Unless they're intentionally trying to do a bottle episode. Mm -hmm. But, but I feel like there's almost always at least one or two people going out and about somewhere. If not, everybody it's true and it definitely works you know once you create the ensemble you know how much how much can you really get out of people just hanging out in an office all day yeah i mean i'm sure seinfeld would have still been good if they only ever went to the coffee shop into jerry's apartment (laughs) but would it have been as good i don't think so no and yeah so that is the end of the dundies uh i don't know what do you think about this episode rob what would you give it You want to give it a a rating, or do you want to give it a Dundee?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give it. I'll I'll stay consistent with our previous episodes and and give okay. it a rating out of ten. I think I would give this episode an eight and a half second drink, second drinks out of ten. Okay, not bad. The only I th- I feel like my rating would be higher if they had handled the bathroom graffiti plot a little better because mm. at the end of the episode i just feel like it wasn't fleshed out enough and you know they they touch on it a lot in the beginning of the episode and they only mention it in passing at the end and we never really you know get the joke because we don't find out what it said
1: yeah that's fair
0: yeah and that's the only strike i have against the episode honestly because the rest of it's really great
1: nice so yeah yeah I can feel that. Well, I think I'm going to be maybe a little more generous. So I think I'm going to give it a nine and a half men's restrooms out of ten.
0: All right. Yeah, <laughs> nine and a half men's restrooms. <laughs> That's great.
1: Just to just to use the thing that you criticized the episode with as part of my rating system. Well,
0: I honest to be honest, um, something must have happened. I must have been distracted during that scene because you missed that whole dwight speech. yeah somehow yeah somehow i missed it i must have been distracted when i was watching through
1: so that's what i was gonna say that's why i would rate it a little higher and not count that against it is because i feel like going anywhere or not it was kind of worth it for (laughs) dwight trying to (laughs) To threaten to take away their bathroom yeah just, if anything, just for the one line out of that monologue, be prepared to hold it from 9 a.m. to, before he gets cut off by Michael. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, that was good. So, but yeah, I, I would say this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the series for whatever reason. and just always has been. So, I'm going to give it that rating. You yeah. apparently disagree based on that face. but well, no. <laughs> you were just giving me a very funny, <laughs> specific-looking face, just like... <laughs> It looked like uh if I if I said I was gonna make you dinner and then I put a plate in front of you and took off the steam tray and there was just a turd on it, I think that's the face you would have made. <laughs> that
0: is not the emotion I was trying to put across. So I don't know what I don't know what happened there. It's okay.
1: It's a glitch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so that has been seventh episode of Out of Paper. Uh hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, check us out on social media. We're going to have our social media accounts listed in the show notes to make it easier for everybody. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah. Reach out, friend us, message us. Yeah. Bring up anything we missed, correct us if we did something wrong, said something wrong. Let us know
0: how wrong we are. Yeah. Nothing like getting called out on being incorrect. It's just great. Yeah. It's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it. You know,
1: we could no. be right. We could be wrong. Yeah,
0: we're all doing the show together. You're paper people just as much as we are. Yes. <laughs> well, we're paperless people,
1: but you're paper people. Yeah. Well, all right, a guys. Show.
0: Yeah. We'll uh, catch you in the next one.
1: Peace, paper people. Out of paper. Out of stock. let's free. Faces around the block, break loose from the chains that are causing
0: you pain. Call Micah Stanley, Jim DeWine, and Creek, call any and Kelly for your business paper needs called the People, persons, paper people, the people, persons, paper, people.
1: Out of Paper is not endorsed by DDD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The office, the office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of the office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.